Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy as yet still unnamed Friday in the news. So I'll make a new intro in the whole thing. Just get off my ass. Okay, so here I am doing the second murder in the news for the week. Um, it will definitely be on Friday, so we'll have Monday morning murder in the news and then Friday morning murder in the news, but I won't call it that. I've had... I've heard Freaky Friday, Fuck That Friday. Let me know what you'd like me to name Friday Morning Murder in the News. And just like I say on Monday Morning Murder in the News, unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record, this is also unscripted and I don't read the articles past the headline so that you and I can react together. It's like me reading you the paper in the morning, okay? So let's go. Our first article comes from allthatisinteresting.com, which is actually one of my favorite websites. And the title reads, Inside the Gruesome Murder of Mark Kilroy at the Hands of a Satanic Cult. Oh, this should be good. Mark Kilroy was a University of Texas student on spring break in March 1989 when he was tortured and murdered by Aldolfo Costanzo's cult in Matamoros, Mexico. Matamoros, Mexico? So Mark Kilroy, they describe him as a handsome, athletic, pre-med senior at the University of Texas. He was the all-American college boy of every parent's dream. It was March 1989, with graduation approaching, and he and three of his friends drove to Mexico for spring break as a last hurrah. All four were closely bonded and had known each other since high school basketball in Santa Fe. Kilroy parked his car in the border town of Brownsville with the group eager to meet girls and let loose as they crossed the bridge into Matamoros, Mexico. Within 48 hours, their dream vacation turned into a nightmare. With dive bars and cheap drinks all along that area, the Matamoros Strip provided no shortage of fun. However, as their second night rolled on, Mark Kilroy vanished without a trace. It took a month for police to find his mutilated body buried among 14 others in a ranch outside Matamoros. He had been raped and dismembered by a group of satanic drug traffickers. Whoa. His legs were hacked off with a machete while his spine was removed and his brains were found boiled in a cauldron. Holy shit. And I'm looking at a picture of him in this article, like, you know, he was the handsome young man. So the article goes on to sort of restate. After parking in the border town of Brownsville, Texas, the group crossed into Matamoros on foot. They partied without a problem until 2.30 a.m. when they returned to their hotel on U.S. soil. The next evening began similarly, but ended on an ominous note. After hopping from bar to bar... Kilroy and his friends strolled back towards his car uh, when he vanished. The group had stopped to urinate when a Hispanic man with a scar on his face approached Kilroy. Quote, I heard him say something like, didn't I just see you somewhere or where did I last see you? End quote. One of his friends recalled. 
Nobody thought much of it until the three friends finished their business and realized Kilroy was gone. Finished their, were they finished urinating? Their confusion turned to genuine concern by dawn, and Mark Kilroy's disappearance officially became a missing persons case. His parents distributed 20,000 leaflets across the Rio Grande Valley and offered a $15,000 reward, while state officials on both sides of the border ramped up their search, which, with utterly macabre results. So then it goes into the satanic crimes of Adolfo Constanzo. Do you guys want me to cover him in a podcast or something? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to screenshot that to keep track of his name. And you guys let me know. You guys let me know. So regardless, he was murdered and dismembered and violated in the most inhumane ways. And that is horrific. Moving on to the next article, it comes from the NewYorkPost.com, and the title reads, Slain mom, Rachel Morin, was found naked with face brutally, quote, smashed in. So, the Maryland mom of five, found dead on a hiking trail over the weekend, was naked and beaten so brutally that the right side of her face, quote, was gone, the stepfather of the friend who discovered her remains claimed. She was laying on her back fully naked, and she had brutal head trauma. It looked like her head had been smashed in with a rock. Michael, a friend, told the Daily Mail of the harrowing moment his stepdaughter, Cecilia, found her 37-year-old friend in a drain tunnel on the Ma and Pa Heritage Trail in Bel Air Sunday afternoon. Stupid ads popping up. Quote, there was a 15 to 20 foot blood trail. So it looked like she had been beaten and dragged into that position. It looked like the killer was trying to erase her identity. The right side of her face was gone, end quote. So this stepfather's description was allegedly corroborated by another source close to the family who told the outlet that Morin suffered disfiguring injuries. Quote, the injuries were so horrific that there won't be an open casket at her funeral, the source lamented. The stepfather, who is a Native American tracker, said that he, Cecilia, and her friend Evan were looking for Morin near the trail's drainage tunnels after noticing disturbances in the ground. Quote, Cecilia was the first person to see the body. She was hyperventilating really, really bad. And then the police told her to sit down, he recalled. When she sat down, she realized she was sitting in a big pool of blood. I hope they prosecute the perpetrator to the fullest extent of the law. End quote. Us too, bro. Us too. The Harford County Sheriff's Office, however, said the stepdad has, quote, no firsthand knowledge of the crime scene and didn't come even within eyesight of the crime scene when Morin's body was found, the Independent reported. Oh, the plot thickens. The Sheriff's Office also said he, quote, did not find Rachel's body. Now, while police have yet to confirm Morin's official cause of death, the local sheriff previously said the incident was clearly not an accidental death. So then it goes on to talk about her and that her boyfriend had reported her missing. And these are things we already know. So, wow, that's, that's a tough one. Completely just 
her face just erased. There's probably something psychological to that, by the way, guys. Okay, and then our next one comes from thedailybeast.com, and the title reads, Body of woman killed years ago found inside a basement wall. So a woman whose remains were found buried inside a concrete wall in Australia has been identified, authorities said Thursday, adding that her body may have gone undiscovered for over a decade. Tanya Lee Glover, 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 who had impaired hearing and vision, is believed to have been around 38 years old at the time of her death, Queensland police said. Her body was only discovered in the basement of an apartment complex in the Brisbane suburb of Alderley in December when cleaners came across human remains behind a concrete wall. At the time of the discovery, police said the partially buried body was wrapped in bedding and clothing. Detective Superintendent Andrew Massingham said Glover's identity was confirmed using DNA and that her death is now being treated as a homicide. Well, Jesus Christ, you think so? Oh, and then it goes on to politics. I don't do politics. Pfft. Next article. This article comes from Fox10Phoenix.com, which, by the way, apparently Fox10 Phoenix has an excessive heat warning for a bunch of counties. You're welcome. The title reads, Son of Spanish film stars accused of murdering, dismembering surgeon on tourist island. The son of two Spanish film stars has been arrested in Thailand, well, of course Thailand, on suspicion of murdering and dismembering a Colombian surgeon on a tourist island, the police said. Daniel Sancho Broncalo was taken from one island I can't pronounce to another island I can't pronounce, according to the provincial police commander who said that on Tuesday. So, Sancho, a chef with a YouTube channel, oh yeah, we talked about this guy, has been charged with premeditated murder, which carries a possible death penalty and with concealment of a body to cover up the death. Details of the killing emerged last week when Thai media reported that plastic bags containing body parts of a man later identified by police as Arietta were found at a landfill in that area, an island famous for its monthly, quote, full moon parties. Should I be putting my tinfoil hat on for full moon parties? Should I be ashamed that I've not heard of that? I've heard of a lot of other crazy things, not that one. So police said Sancho came in to report a missing person after the body parts were found and was subsequently detained. He later confessed to killing and dismembering Arietta and then dumping the body parts in the landfill and the sea. Although he denied that it was premeditated, police said. His arrest warrant was issued by that provincial court on Saturday. Uh, they have declined to elaborate when asked about the motive, but said it was likely due to a personal relationship between the suspect and the victim. Thai media have cited police saying that Sancho, who came to Thailand for a holiday, told authorities that the two had a romantic relationship and that he tried to break up with the victim, but the victim refused. So, security camera video broadcast by Thai media reportedly taken a day before the body parts were found showed Sancho and Arietta on a motorbike together. 
Regional police chief told public broadcaster Thai PBS that Sancho was seen buying a knife, garbage bags, and cleaning solutions before Arietta's death. And because you're in the true crime community and because you're one of my children, you automatically know that that is just a very gross but still highly effective kill kit prior to the victim being killed. That's guilty. That's guilty. So media reports say Sancho is the son of Rodolfo Sancho and Silvia Broncalo, famous Spanish actors, and we've been through all that before. So they freaking know that he did it. Now they've got his very crude kill kit. It's kind of done and done, it sounds like to me. So the next one comes from Ken's 5, local news, kens5.com. And the title reads, Woman stabbed in head with scissors during fight with man, police say. Wow scissors through the skull. It happened at an apartment complex near downtown early Friday morning. So coming out of San Antonio, a flight turned violent early Friday morning after a woman was stabbed in the head with a pair of scissors. It happened at an apartment complex on the 1000 block of North Frio Street near the downtown area around 2:19 a.m. Police say the victim was arguing with another person when she was injured. Investigators say the two were fighting inside an apartment unit when things got physical. That's when the man allegedly stabbed the woman in the head uh, with scissors. At some point, the man was also injured in the fight and was found unconscious. Well, good, fucker. Police tell us a third person who attempted to stop the violent brawl wasn't hurt. Good. Uh, both the man and woman were taken to the hospital in stable condition. It's unclear what led up to the fight. It is an ongoing investigation. So she didn't die. She got stabbed in the head with a pair of scissors and she survived. That's, that's awesome. Now for this next one, some of you might know more about this than I do, but it comes from the NewYorkPost.com, and the title reads, Accused Wife Killer Judge Jeffrey Ferguson texted, quote, I just shot my wife. I won't be in tomorrow, end quote, to staff. I mean, okay. So the Southern California judge accused of killing his wife during a drunken rage texted his staff just minutes after the murder to let them know he wouldn't be showing up for work the next day because he'd be behind bars for the crime, prosecutors said. Quote, I just lost it. I just shot my wife. I won't be in tomorrow. I will be in custody. I am so sorry. Orange County Superior Court Judge Jeffrey Ferguson, 72, allegedly told his court clerk and bailiff after gunning down his wife, Cheryl, who was 65, inside their Anaheim Hills home last week. So the court filing from Orange County prosecutors charging Ferguson with murder with weapons-related enhancements also reveals further details surrounding the domestic argument leading up to that fatal slaying. The bickering started as the couple dined together at a restaurant on August 3rd and continued once they returned to their home in the upscale neighborhood. Cheryl Ferguson allegedly said something to the effect of, quote, why don't you point a real gun at me, end quote, to her husband, who then whipped out a pistol from his ankle holster and shot her in the chest. Their adult son reported the shooting to 911, saying his father had been drinking too much and shot his mom, the documents said. And the picture of this judge, guys, 
he's so red and bloated and the end of his nose is kind of bulbous. He's like longtime alcoholic is what I'm seeing. Ferguson also called 911 but refused to provide details and told the dispatcher he didn't want to talk about the shooting when asked if he was the gunman. The accused wife killer allegedly implicated himself to responding officers who said that the judge reeked of alcohol. Quote, oh man, I can't believe I did this, Ferguson said according to the document. Investigators discovered 47 weapons, including the pistol allegedly used in the shooting and more than 26,000 rounds of ammunition inside the couple's home. All the weapons are legally owned, but one rifle registered in Ferguson's name is still missing, according to prosecutors. He was taken into custody, but freed a day later after posting a $1 million bail. But Orange County prosecutors are seeking new bail conditions after arguing the trove of weapons indicates he could pose a risk to public safety as well as a flight risk. They want him to surrender his passport, wear an ankle monitor, and possess no alcohol or firearms ahead of his September 1st arraignment. But he still insists, basically, that Cheryl's death was the result of an accident and nothing more. So he accidentally pointed that gun at her chest and accidentally pulled the trigger. <sighs> Our next one comes from APNews.com, and the title reads, A Central Kansas police force sparked a firestorm by raiding a newspaper and the publisher's home. I've heard a tiny bit about this, but I don't know much. I'm just full transparency here. I did not read this article ahead of time. So out of Marion, Kansas, a small central Kansas police department is facing a torrent of criticism for raiding a local newspaper's office and the home of its owner and publisher, seizing computers and cell phones, and in the publisher's view, stressing his 98-year-old mother enough to cause her weekend death. Several press freedom watchdogs condemned the Marion Police Department's actions as a blatant violation of the U.S. Constitution's protection for a free press. The Marion County Records editor and publisher, Eric Meyer, worked with his staff Sunday to reconstruct stories, ads, and other materials for its next edition Wednesday, even as he took time in the afternoon to provide a local funeral home with information about his mother, Joan, the paper's co-owner. A search warrant tied Friday morning raids led by Marion Police Chief Gideon Cody to a dispute between the newspaper and a local restaurant owner, Carrie Newell. She has accused the newspaper of invading her privacy and illegally accessing information about her and her driving record and suggested that the newspaper targeted her after she threw Meyer and a reporter out of the restaurant during a political event. Okay. While Meyer saw Newell's complaints, which he said were untrue, as prompting the raids, he also believes the newspaper's aggressive coverage of local politics and issues played a role. He said the newspaper was examining Cody's past work with the Kansas City, Missouri police as well. Oh, how the turntables. Quote, this is the type of stuff that, you know, that Vladimir Putin does, that third world dictators do, end quote, Meyer said during an interview in his office. Quote, this is Gestapo tactics from World War II, end quote. Gestapo, Gestapo. 
Cody said Sunday that the raid was legal and tied to an investigation. The raids occurred in a town of about 1,900 people nestled among rolling prairie hills about 150 miles southwest of Kansas City, making the small weekly newspaper the latest to find itself in the headlines and possibly targeted for its reporting. Okay, well, I'd kind of like to know more about this. I don't understand. That does seem like a freedom of press kind of thing, because no matter what they're believing politically or not, they still have a right to say what they, I mean, that's why we live in this country, right? But I digress. So our next article comes from FoxLA.com, Los Angeles. By the way, you guys in Los Angeles are apparently under an excessive heat warning from Wednesday until Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Coachella Valley, it says. So you're welcome. The title reads, Florida woman doused herself in Mountain Dew to erase DNA after killing roommate in Daytona Beach, police said. So coming out of Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, This woman suspected of killing her 79-year-old roommate allegedly doused herself in soda in an attempt to erase possible evidence on her body, according to an arrest affidavit. She poured Diet Mountain Dew, that's specifically Diet Mountain Dew, all over her body when police told her they were going to collect her DNA as part of the investigation, authorities said. Her DNA was later found on the handle of a bloody knife found lying next to the victim's body at the Daytona Beach home they shared. Nicole Max, 35, was booked into the county jail on August 5th on charges of first-degree murder, tampering with evidence, and resisting arrest with violence, jail records show. So she violently resisted arrest. During the early morning hours of July 1st, a Daytona Beach police officer was flagged down by a citizen regarding a fire at a home in the 600 block of Clark Street. When firefighters arrived at the scene, they extinguished the fire and found a man lying on the floor dead. He had blunt force trauma to the back of his head and multiple stab wounds to his torso. He was identified as 79-year-old Michael Carasoli per a probable cause affidavit, Fox News Digital reported. Inside the home, police found a bloody knife in the victim's bedroom near his body. There was also blood found on the wall next to Max's bedroom closet. An agency-wide bulletin was put out for Max as a possible person of interest in the case. Around 3.30 a.m., an officer found Max at a Crystal's restaurant on North Ridgewood Avenue in Holly Hill. She had no shoes on and had blood on the side of her leg. A portion of the shirt she was wearing had been torn or cut off. That portion had blood on it, police said. When officers approached her, she dropped a knife and a hammer she was carrying, the reports said. Authorities said she changed her story multiple times when questioned. She denied knowing the victim and said she was, in fact, homeless. She also denied carrying the knife and hammer, even though they saw her drop it. She later admitted to being his roommate, but denied seeing him on the day he was killed. And in regard to the knife and hammer, she claimed she often carried items like that, police said. So then she went back to admitting she was carrying them. When asked about the fire, she became, quote, agitated, refused to speak, and requested an attorney. 
While escorting her to the patrol car, detectives informed her they would be collecting her DNA. It was then that she asked police for a drink and they gave her a Diet Mountain Dew soda. Officers said she began to procrastinate while drinking the soda. When a detective tried to grab the soda can from her, police said Max doused herself with it, pouring it over her body and hair, trying to interfere with possible evidence on her body. She then began, quote, pulling and kicking officers, end quote. It does say pulling and kicking as they tried to secure her in the vehicle. On July 28th, the detective received the DNA results back from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement for the knife found next to the victim. They found the DNA of the victim on the knife's blade, while Max's DNA was located on the handle of the knife. This, this is not a surprise. Max entered a written plea of not guilty on all charges last week. On Sunday, Max's attorney requested that a doctor examine her to determine her mental competence to stand trial. She remains in the county jail without bond. Mountain Dew, dear, really? Ugh. And our next article comes from the NBCBayArea.com. By the way, your breaking news, it says strike called off in San Jose after city and workers reach a tentative dot dot dot. I'm not opening it. You're welcome. The title reads, Mother of Woman Found Dead at San Francisco's Golden Gate Park Speaks Out. The woman found dead inside a duffel bag next to Golden State Park in San Francisco was identified as 37-year-old Kelly, I don't know how to say the last name, who also went by Kelly Brock. There you go. Her mother, Roya, spoke out Monday from the Castro Valley home where Kelly grew up and where she lived until about four years ago. Quote, I don't think it's a hate crime, Roya said. I do know she would go to extremes from nothing. I think that's most likely what happened. End quote. Roya said she's still numb after getting the call from the medical examiner Monday morning. Quote, yesterday they found your daughter in a duffel bag. A dog walker found her, said Roya. Roya said the medical examiner told her there was no blood or immediate indication of what caused Kelly's death, just that she was in a duffel bag and had no clothing below her waist. And that tells a story. Quote, she was beautiful. Was. I can't believe it was, said her mother. Inside her daughter's beautiful exterior, Roya said Kelly was tormented by schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and more. She was tormented by schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and more. That's pretty serious. Kelly resisted medication and treatment, Roya said, and for the past four years had lived on the streets of San Francisco, mostly right outside the courthouse for convenience because she was often in trouble with the law. Quote, she was a good girl. She was messed up here, but she got killed, said Roya. So her mother hopes... Her mother said that she hopes to learn more when the medical examiner fish, finishes the full autopsy. For now, she just wants to mourn her daughter's death and urge for more mandatory mental health care for the unhoused who suffer from severe cases and multiple disorders like her daughter. And, you know, I can't really agree with that more. I definitely think that, you know, I don't know what the statistics are, and you guys know I'm pretty thorough with my research. I don't know what it is, but I feel very strongly that a larger portion of homeless people are having some mental health issues. And then another chunk of 
the leftover portion are addicts who might not have become addicts had they not had some kind of really bad trauma, usually childhood, but you get what I'm saying? Serious mental health issues and trauma and all of that, that it's, it's not the, uh, it's not the addiction that started it. It's the trauma that started it. I watched the soft white underbelly videos and I agree with that guy, Mark. It just really seems to be that there's an underlying of childhood trauma that goes on with these people. And rather than spit on them and treat them like they're less than human when they're not less than human, perhaps we can find some way to get them some mental health help. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but that's the kind of stuff I think about. And for our final article for as yet unnamed Friday morning murder in the news. This one comes from cbsnews.com and the title reads, Man shot ex-wife's boyfriend dead at Timonium Sky Zone charging documents. Coming out of Baltimore, which doesn't surprise me. A man visiting his daughter allegedly shot and killed his ex-wife's boyfriend at a Maryland trampoline park over the weekend, according to charging documents. Quentin Walker, 30, was charged with murder in the Saturday shooting of 32-year-old Marcus Whitehead at Sky Zone in Timonium. He turned himself into police in Anne Arundel County after the shooting. At his bail hearing Monday, a judge ordered him to remain in jail without bail. Walker had flown in from Colorado for an arranged visit with his daughter at the Sky Zone, according to charging documents. In an interview, Walker told police that after he greeted his daughter, Whitehead was staring at him, so Walker asked if he wanted to talk outside. Walker said Whitehead allegedly told him not to come near him and threatened to slap him. Quote, Defendant Walker then stated then at some point victim Whitehead stood up and started walking toward him, so he withdrew his firearm and fired all rounds that he had loaded in the gun. All the rounds. How many rounds? All of them. Whitehead was rushed to shock trauma around 7 p.m., but was pronounced dead a few hours later. Baltimore County police, who were responding at the scene, were informed shortly after the shooting that a man had called 911 and wanted to turn himself in for the Sky Zone shooting. Walker was found in a U-Haul about an hour after the shooting on I-97 in Glen Burnie. He allegedly later told police that he wanted to return the U-Haul before turning himself in. Well, that's nice. Considerate. Considerate murderer. A Sky Zone employee said the business, a popular attraction that hosts children's birthday parties, will be closed for the next few days. Talking with residents at a ShopRite near Sky Zone, WJZ learned that many are still shaken up by what happened Saturday night. Still very upsetting to have that kind of thing happen here, especially near a group of children. Other people can get hurt very easily during that. Well, you don't say with bullets flying? Lordy begordy. Okay, so that's what I have for you hooligans, you heathens, for today. Uh, we will have Monday morning murder in the news per protocol. Uh, I'm going to try to release the regular podcasts on Wednesdays now instead of Thursdays and then have the additional news on Friday. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, y'all got me up to three a week, three a week. And I still have a regular full-time job. I'll tell you what, but seriously, I love you guys. So 
have a great Friday. And just remember, as far as the weekend goes, Auntie Alyssa doesn't have bail money, okay, babies? So just behave yourselves. All right, bye.